All right, three, two, one. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. We talked two months ago about his book, which was titled The Falsification of History, Our Distorted Reality. And that's a great book. I highly recommend that book. But he has just published a new book, a book that came out uh, this month, May 2nd, 2019, the title of which is JFK, A Very British Coup. The Definitive Truth of the Assassination. And his name is John Hammer. John, are you there? Hi, I'm William. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks uh, thanks for uh, for agreeing to the interview. I really read through the book and found it very interesting. A lot of information I did not know. And, uh, you know, I think you wrote on the intro, there's like 40,000 JFK books on the assassination. So this is, uh, for me, a welcome addition to see the broader realities or broader involvement of people outside of the U.S. who uh, definitely seem to be involved in this uh, death of JFK, John F. Kennedy, on November 2nd, 1963. So maybe before we get into the text of the book, you can talk a little bit about your background and how you became interested in this subject, and then we can talk about some of the the forces that really conspired to, to kill John F. Kennedy. Yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, as people have already heard me speak will know, I mean, I've been into the sort of for want of a better word, the conspiracy world for um, over 20 years now. And I've, I've investigated full time during that time, many, many different topics. And, and uh, JFK was just one of them. I mean, a lot of the stuff, uh, other stuff, you know, the great grant conspiracy is covered in, as you just kindly pointed out, the falsification of history, which is another of my books. Um, but yeah, the JFK thing, I, I've always been fascinated in it. I think I think most people have, you know, even it's not just an exclusively an American thing. I think the whole world was absolutely fascinated by the Kennedy assassination and and the mechanics of it and who was involved. And of course, I don't think uh, I don't think that many people actually be- believe that Oswald was the lone nut gunman at all. And uh, you know, so in one sense, we've got a head start there when we're trying to convert people to or convince people that there was a bigger conspiracy, uh, because I think most people realise that you know, the, all the stuff from the Warren Commission, which allegedly investigated the Kennedy assassination, um, is is known broadly to be a nonsense, really. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in it, and uh, it just... What triggered the book actually was that I'd actually written for one of my other books, Behind the Curtain, I'd written a huge section on Kennedy, of which a lot of that was in this book. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, quite simply, there wasn't enough room for it to go in Behind the Curtain because it's a massive book. It's over a half a million words, but I actually wrote over 900,000 words, but it just w- I mean, it's in two volumes as it is, and I just thought, no, you've got to be sensible about this and cut it down. And a lot of the stuff that I cut out was the stuff about the Kennedy assassination. So it's sort of been simmering in the back of my mind for quite a while that, you know, yeah, maybe I could make a book of it. And uh, that's exactly what I did in the end. So I just expanded upon it, and uh, there you have it. <laughs> gotcha. And, I mean, your general uh, position, you kind of go back and trace the, the history of these nefarious groups that have really have been in the Western world, but who have, uh, you definitely were traced to many of these key players around the conspiracy to kill JFK. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was speaking to a, 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 
a JFK assassination expert just this week, as a matter of fact. And he's a guy who's an American guy who's been researching it for over 30 years. And he read the synopsis to my book and he just said, wow, didn't know any of that stuff at all. And uh, we just had a very brief conversation through Twitter messaging. And, uh, you know, so he was, this is a guy who's, who's been looking into the stuff for 30 years. So... You know, it, it, there is a lot of other background that people are not aware of. And what I've done is, as, as you sort of alluded to there, is I, I've expanded the search, if you like. So I've gone out beyond the borders of the US and, it, and the footprint lead directly to the UK and the British Crown. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe you can talk about that, the British Crown and the, the sure. city of London and yeah, all of yeah. these people who are interested in the banking cartel. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, I think... I think you're right. I mean, I think that's that's the best place to start is the, is the actual background to it. What what a lot of people don't realise that there is an entity called the Crown Empire, or the Crown. It's sometimes called for short. And the Crown doesn't necessarily mean the Queen of England or the British monarchy, although they are obviously the figureheads of it. But it goes much much deeper than that. The the, the Crown Empire actually controls world politics. It controls world. I mean world, not just British banking, the health system, everything, huge corporations are all directly or indirectly controlled by some aspect of the British Crown Empire. It's an all-powerful entity, in other words. And as I say, it's not exclusively British either. I mean, America is intrinsically involved with it too. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, just to give you a little bit of background to how it sort of started, it, it, it began at the end of the 17th century with the formation of the Bank of England. I don't want to go into too much detail and bore everybody to death, but I think it's important to get this background. Um, it, the Bank of England was created in 16, 1694, and it was financed uh, by uh, Dutch bankers um, who usurped the British throne and placed William III on the throne. Again, I don't want to go too deeply into that. But anyway, it was the Bank of England, the formation of the Bank of England that led to um, the beginning of the central banking system, if you like. And, and this actually, their ability to create money from thin air gave them the power and the finance, obviously, to, to expand their, their sphere of control. And uh, what happened was that the, the actual city of London, and by the city, I don't mean... London itself, Greater London, I mean the actual financial heart of the city, and it's just referred to in the UK as the city, and it's the financial empire, and it's one square mile, and it's just slightly to the east of the city centre proper, and uh, that that city, that square mile, actually became a sovereign state in 1694 when the Bank of England was founded, and that's important that, that it was a sovereign state in its own right. Very much the same as Washington, D.C. Or the Vatican. The Vatican, yes. Yes, there are the three. Um, The City of London is the world banking empire. The the Washington, D.C. is the military empire. And the Vatican is the religious empire. And they're all connected and they're all governed either directly or indirectly by the British crown. So this square mile of the city is not subject to UK law in any way, shape or form. It's got its own courts, it's got its own flag, it's got its own police force and mayor, and it, well, Freemasonry is also run from there, as well as the, the entire world legal apparatus, believe it or not. I know some of this information might sound absolutely fantastic to people, but 
trust me, it's true. And it's quite easy to Google this stuff and find it out. Find it out for yourselves. I'm not making this up. No, but when I, when I was <laughs> in the UK and and traveled to the city of London, it's discernibly different than the yes. other parts of the city. It actually Absolutely. really has a completely different architecture, and it's. Yeah, streets so. are a little different. It's pretty remarkable. And I was in the banking industry and nobody could really figure out why the London interbank offering rate was a key uh, lending opportunity, why we were going all the way to London. But it really was. That's actually a global yeah. standard comes out of the Bank of London. I mean, the city of London. Uh, absolutely. And in fact, many even U.S. banks have their headquarters in the city of London, which I found absolutely amazing, to be honest. You know, the fact that you think it's Wall Street, don't you? The, the U.S. Right. empire, the U.S. financial empire. But no, a lot of American banks headquarters, I think there's about 70 who have their headquarters actually in the city of London. And there's something like in total, there's something like 400 major world banks that have their headquarters in the city of London. So that just speaks volume for me. Wow. OK, so, yeah, Freemasonry is there. The legal system is there. Um, it. It doesn't operate under common law either, which is which is an important point. Um, common law is the law of the land. It should be the law of the land in every country, but it's not. Common law is very simple. Common law just states that you shouldn't do harm to anyone in any way, shape or form or permit harm to be caused to another by your inaction. And that's common law. <laughs> yeah, but the laws that govern us are so uh, vast now that they're not actually laws. They're called statutes, really. Um, and, it's, and it's commercial law, maritime law, or the law of contracts, and that's how they assert the control over us by usurping common law and creating this set of rules for themselves that allows them to, um, in effect, bend the legal system to to what they want it to be. Um, and this has been noted. Many people might have noticed this. For example, when you see courtroom dramas in both the US and the UK. The Union flag in the UK has a gold fringe and the Stars and Stripes in the US in courtrooms has a gold fringe as well, as it does on military uniforms as well. And then it's that that denotes that you're actually operating under maritime law, the law of contracts, and not the law of the land, which is common law. If we were to just operate under the under common law, then they couldn't control us in the way that we do. And so this is, this is why they do it. And, it, and it's all very very fake and all very contrived. Okay. And so, I mean, that's the kind of background of the, these connections through this kind of uh, do, do permeate these players in the Kennedy killing and yes. all the way even to the U.S. So you can see this kind of banking hand behind everything. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, as I say, the Crown's not subject to the U.K. government. And I think... Um, we're sort of getting to the point a little bit now. I know, I know it's been a little bit of a digression. Um, but the, the another key element to what we're talking about is the fact that the, the Crown Empire still, and this is a very important point, holds the lands and title deeds to all of North America, not just Canada, but the US as well. A lot of people don't, don't believe that. Oh, no, we won our independence in 1776, the War of Independence, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, yes, that was the appearance, but in actual fact, that wasn't the case. And, you know, again, I would invite anybody to just do a very quick internet search on that topic, and you'll see that it's true. Um, George III, when he allegedly reluctantly gave the US its independence after losing the war, 
losing in, in uh, quote marks, he insisted on retaining ultimate control. And this has remained the case ever since. America is not an independent state, despite all appearances to the contrary. Uh, but as agreed in the Treaty of Paris of 1783, the US was to remain a crown colony, and it has done to this day. And in fact, it's operating under a fake constitution as well now. Um, the original constitution was quietly scrapped in 1871 and replaced by an entirely different one, a uh, different, completely different set of rules. And in order for them to achieve this, that this was how the District of Columbia had to be instituted, and that also became, then became a city-state at that point in time. Okay, and again, as I say, don't take my word for it. This information is all quite easily accessible. Uh, so it's not like, oh, John Hamer's talking a load of rubbish. Um, you know, it's it's easily verifiable, all this stuff. So, you know, that just sets the scene. So, so we've got this powerful entity called the Crown who control everything. They control the finance, they control all industry and commerce, they control the legal profession, they control just about every major institution you can imagine in the Western world at least, and certainly a lot as well in the East. Um, so you've got this guy, Kennedy, who I believe was a, okay, he was no angel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody who gets to be to the top of politics is, is going to fall into that category. But I think he was, it was basically a decent guy who wanted to do the best for his people within the constraints that he would have as, as, as a president. And uh, But unfortunately, there were certain things that um, happened or that he instigated within his presidency that caused all these different forces of the Crown Empire to come together to conspire against him. But Kennedy himself, John JFK, was no choir boy. He wasn't from a very... No. Uh, uh, honest or, you know, the Joe Kennedy himself was, and you write in the book, somebody said about <laughs> Joe Kennedy, Joe Kennedy was the personification of evil. And he was Absolutely. like a great uh, financial grave dancer, insider, inside trader, friend yeah. of the Bronfman family, which is still relevant today in regards yes. to this Nexium cult. Yeah, so really remarkable stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Joe Kennedy was a uh, was quite an, quite an operator. Yeah, I mean, he had his fingers in many pies, as they say. He was involved in the early days of the movie industry. Um, he was, as you, as you say, he was involved in the liquor industry, especially during Prohibition. He was he was the prime mover in getting a lot of the the uh, the whiskey and liquor from Bronfman's in Canada, as you, as you mentioned, into the U.S. And of course, he made a huge fortune on the back of all that. And he was heavily involved with the mafia as well. Um, and again, you know, they do rear the head in my little book, the mafia. Right, as, sure. They're yeah. one of the factions that are involved. Um, people think that, 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 you know, they're just sort of a, uh, you know, yeah, or they're quite prominent and, and they're dangerous and important and all the rest of it, but they don't think they've got any real power government, governmentally. Well, I'm sorry again to disabuse people of that, but they certainly have. Oh, no the doubt. mafia is a very key player. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, they had control over uh, the Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover. They actually had uh, yeah. had him blackmailed. So, you know, he actually yeah, never was, said there was, was any such thing as the mafia. Yeah, that's right. He, he was in their pocket without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but yeah, Joe Kennedy, uh, he was uh, he was kind of like something that happened here in 28 where 
he came in and took all these defaulted mortgages and bought them cheap and and resold them uh, when the when the market corrected. Like he knew all this stuff. And the, those yeah. these types of techniques and tactics go back through Joe Kennedy even before him, but all the way up to current day. I mean, you have the head of the Treasury here in the in the United States. It's uh, Mnuchin who did the same thing that Kennedy did. That's how he made his money. He bought these right. portfolios of defaulted mortgages. But uh, yeah, it's incredible too that Kennedy be, Joe Kennedy became the head of the SEC in 1934 is just astonishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, uh, as, as I say in the book, it's like the fox in charge of the hen house, isn't it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I think that it's interesting that family dynamic and dynastic elements of the Kennedy family really changed after Kennedy Sr. had a stroke on 19th of December 1961. I think you pointed that out. I think it's an important point yeah. that this it changed uh john and probably robert as well into more independent players would you agree with that absolutely i would yeah i mean joe was a was an arch manipulator um just to go backtrack slightly i mean it was he that you know had massive ambitions for his sons he put them under a lot of pressure he it was his machinations if you like um that that sort of manipulated one of his sons, uh, 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 unfortunately, until Joe Jr., uh, John's older brother, died in the war, it was Joe that was going to be, you know, put forward as, as president and all the rest of it. Um, but um, because, unfortunately, Joe was killed, Joe Jr. was killed in the war, um, it, it fell upon John. And John, John was quite a, a sickly sort of a child and a, and a young man. He, he was actually a lot... Uh, a lot more sickly than people imagined him to be. Um, but he was nevertheless, I think a lot of it was, was sort of out of his control. As I say, Joe was an arch, Joe Senior was an arch manipulator and he manoeuvred John into that position uh, with the help of people like the Mafia and and uh, Aristotle Anassis was another big player in it all, of course. And uh, it, it was on the Mafia and Anassis' say-so that, that uh, John was actually manipulated into the role of president right, I mean, to replace his elder, elder brother. Right, and it was kind of like there was, there was all kinds of issues that uh, the Cook County books were cooked. There's all yeah, there's a lot of stuff that uh, yeah. happened behind the scenes. A bit like the, bit like the Bush election in, was it 2000 right, or 2004 yes. that was really, really rigged. Um, they probably all are, but there was one in particular where they deliberately didn't count uh, the votes in a certain county or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was similar to that, and I think I think the Kennedy Nixon uh, election was the the closest ever result, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you said something like there was a point five differential or something like that, very close. Yeah, forty. I think it was less than that actually. Like really. that. But yeah, it, it was along those lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he so Kennedy gets into gets into the presidency, but he has a very uh, colorful personal life, right? <laughs> well, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's that's one thing that people do know about Kennedy. I mean, he had lots of, shall we say, illicit liaisons with uh, eligible young women. Um, one of the quotes that I, I, I remember seeing in a, when I was writing the book was that uh, it, it bedded half the girls on the West Coast or something, half the eligible single girls on the West Coast, and probably a lot of the married ones as well. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, 
it was a prolific adulterer, shall we say. Right. <laughs> right. And, he uh, went to Stanford Business School or something like that, right? Didn't he attend Stanford for a little bit? Maybe, that, maybe that's I, part. I can't remember. Yeah. I know that he went to um, the, the the boarding school he went to as a as a youth, as a teenager, was choked, Cho wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I can't. I don't know whether he went to Stanford or not. But, uh, but there was a. Uh, there was an interesting aspect of him because of this this kind of like he had a decadent uh as a child of wealth decadent life but he was curious about stuff that was happening in the uk at the time of yes. his presidency something known as the profumo affair and you said Indeed. he devoured every word about that but he was tied into that affair it's probably one of the main reasons why he was interested in it yeah it was tied into it. i think it it was. He asked all his aides and uh, secretaries and etc. to keep him up to speed on it all the time. I mean, he was fascinated by it because I think he was actually running a little scared because it's known that he had had an affair. I'm sorry, you just dropped out right there. Sorry. Okay. He. Um, I think he wanted to be kept up to speed on the Profumo Profumo oh. affair and how, how it was progressing uh, because he'd been involved. Uh, sexually with one of the women that was involved in the Profumo affair. Uh, do you want me to give a little bit of background to the Profumo affair? Yes, or? please do. Yeah, okay. Well, this was a big scandal in, in the UK in 1961, I think it was, where the Minister of War, um, Don Profumo, was involved in a scandal because he was having a a, a, a love affair, a sexual affair, with a woman who turned out to be a Russian spy and who had uh, been also having an affair with the Russian, some Russian diplomat in the UK, quite a high ranking diplomat. But obviously the implications there were staggering. It was the height of the Cold War uh, and our Minister of War was, um, you know, sleeping with a with a girl who was also having an affair with um you know, the one of the one of the major Russian diplomats. So it was a, it was a big thing in the UK, and I, I was only a small boy at the time. Um, it was <laughs> so Christine really Keeler, Christine Keeler. Was it, Christine yeah, Keeler. It, it, it was all over the the newspapers and the TV and the radio and all that sort of stuff. But as it turned out, Kennedy had also been having an affair with the same woman. So I think he was pretty scared that he was going to get somehow dragged into it. Uh, and get his name dragged through the mud, and obviously that would have resulted in impeachment, wouldn't it? Yeah, and that was Mariella Novotny, right? It was, it was Mariella Novotny, yeah. yeah. So Mariella, and there was a, a, a movie about it here, or in the state scandal. I think it was done in. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a British movie, wasn't it? But it, it, yeah. It, yeah, you probably got it over there too. No, it was it was very interesting, an interesting story. Stephen Ward was the That's guy right. who was the kind of pimp of these young yeah. girls, and he was into black magic and. He was member. Sure. He was associating with all these other people in that society, the craze, and yeah. all this stuff like that. And I, I kind of That's covered right. that in my book. Talked about uh, Tom Dryberg and all these other kind yeah. of uh, unsavory characters. Yeah, well, Dryberg was a it was a communist, wasn't it? As it turned out, it was a uh, yeah. That's another story. Yeah, anyway. another story. But he was very interesting. He was supposed to be Alistair Crowley's heir. That was supposed to be the guy who was going to carry on uh, work, but uh, he didn't seem right. to take to it. Like, but uh, yeah, it was those sixties and and they were full of scandal in the UK. There was all kinds of scandals and things going on. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, so 
um, just to continue the story a little bit now. So obviously Kennedy's involved now, and uh, not long after he, he took office, there was the Cuban Missile Crisis, of course. Um, no, before that, there was the Bay of Pigs fiasco, wasn't there? Right. Um, and after that, uh, th- that was an invasion of Cuba, for those who don't know, um, the planned invasion of Cuba, Cuba which Kennedy had uh, sort of um, approved. Uh, but that was an utter disaster. Um, they were all basically they killed or captured on the beach uh, by the Cubans. And uh, that didn't go down too well with the American public. So Kennedy's population pop- popularity rating in the first year of his office was was probably the worst in entire history of the US. Uh, I mean, it was so low. So he had to do certain things, Kennedy, to actually try and improve his popularity rating. And one of the things that, that sort of came afterwards was the Cuban Missile Crisis, which, again, is a whole other story. But I believe that was entirely contrived with the, with the connivance of Khrushchev in order to, to, to um, as far as Kennedy was concerned, to, to improve his popularity. And, of course, he did. And it went through the roof after the Cuban Missile Crisis because he was seen as the saviour of mankind, basically. You know, the, the, the world was on the brink of nuclear war. As, as we all thought, or as they all thought, and uh, and Kennedy was the uh, was the seventh cavalry riding over the hill, you know. So he, he saved the day, and his popular, popularity went went through the roof. Right, but the Bay so, of Pigs, I think the Bay of Pigs is key to the assassination because it involved his conflicts with the deep state at that time, and led to the dismissal of the head of the CIA, John Foster, John Dole. Was it John Dole's or? One of the Dulles brothers, John Foster Dulles, John Foster Dulles, yeah. who ended up being on the commission that oversaw the assassination. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Like you look yeah, at those it's... pictures, it's like this is about as yeah. legit as a three dollar bill. So yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, and, he, I mean... and Kennedy was no friend of the CIA. <laughs> he was he made statements that I'm going to blow it up to smithereens or um, yeah. some, you know, he was, he was splintered the CIA into a thousand pieces, thousand pieces was his actual yes. quote. Yes. So, yeah. So yeah. him and the CIA were not best buddies. Right. Correct. So, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. you see this, uh, him just kind of making more and more enemies as his administration, yes. as his presidency, you know, progressed. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, Bobby Kennedy, his brother, who was the, Oh gosh, what was his position? He was the—I uh, think he was the um, attorney general. Was it attorney general? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and he was going after the—he um, was going after the mafia as well, of course, which didn't go down quite too well, because you know it was all supposed to be one big cozy tea party, wasn't it? You know, all these all these factions all sitting hand in hand, um, cozying up to each other, enjoying a great relationship. You know. They weren't expecting that anybody uh, in the U.S. government was ever going to come down on them like they did. Um, so that was the mafia. We've already covered the CIA. These are all factions that are, are getting their hands slapped by the right. by the new uh, administration. The oil so, industry. You know, there are murmurings and murmurings yeah. about all this, and uh, yeah. And then, of course, the next thing was well. The, 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 another important thing to mention is is the situation with LBJ as well, Johnson, right. because they, Kennedy and Johnson absolutely loathed and detested each other. They were, they were the only reason that uh, Kennedy had asked LBJ to be his running mate was that 
um, LBJ had a lot of influence in the Deep South and amongst the oil people. Uh, whereas Kennedy was very much an Eastern establishment kind of guy, wasn't he? And yeah. so he had a lot of sort of uh, support on the Eastern seaboard. But when you get down into the Deep South and the and the, especially the oil regions, you know, uh, Texas and, and and other states, he um, he wasn't popular at all. So he needed somebody like LBJ. And I, don't, I don't think I think if LBJ had not been on the ticket, I think. Kennedy would have lost quite heavily, actually. Um, so, yeah, so LBJ and Kennedy hated each other and he only tolerated him for the support that he would bring from other areas of the country that he knew that were his weakest positions. So, um, and I mean, LBJ was as corrupt as they come as well. Sure. Um, sure. He was into all sorts of different things. And uh, again, I don't cover all that in the book. But, but he had a history of murder leading up to 1963, right? And uh, yeah. had, had his, was it Mac Wallace was his hitman, killed his sister, like a really dark. That's story. right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I do cover that in my uh, in my book, Behind the Curtain, actually. It's not in the JFK book. Obviously, it's a bit of a diversion. But uh, yeah. So, you know, these, these, these players are mounting up now. We've got the Mafia, we've got the CIA. Um, and as I was saying, LBJ <clears throat> was a big anti. I think LBJ was deeply involved in it as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's about. Um, yeah, but the other, the other side of the coin uh, with, with LBJ was the fact that um, Kennedy upset all LBJ supporters in big oil. Um, there was something called the oil depletion allowance that had been going on ever since the oil industry had been born in the late 19th century. And the oil depletion allowance basically said that it, it actually allowed you to offset a large amount of tax other than the normal standard business allowances. So, um, so other industries weren't necessarily subject, you know, a lot, I'd have this tax allowable element to their uh, incomes if you like but it was just particularly for the oil industry and nobody really knows why other than probably lobbying um, but I think it was something like it meant that you got a 30 percent uh, what's the word I'm looking for 30 percent allowance no, whereas most other industries was 25 percent or, or it could have even been 20 percent so it was a big difference anyway between all the different industries and oil and uh, Kennedy said, quite rightly, this is not right. You know, we can't have one industry that is, um, you know, benefiting in this way to the detriment of all the others. We'll, we'll scrap the oil depletion allowance. So, um, so that's what he did. Uh, in, in effect, what the oil depletion allowance meant to the oil industry was that they could go do some speculative drilling um, anywhere in the oil regions. And if four out of the five wells ended up being dry, then it, they still made a profit. You know, even with one well operating, they could still make a profit. But of course, without that allowance, then that wouldn't have been the case. Gotcha. So you can imagine the powerful big oil industry interests in Texas, of which LBJ was their de facto head, if you like. He was their sort of figurehead, um, were mightily upset by this. So again, you know, we've got to tack those people onto the list of people who Kennedy had. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a list of people he was making friends with. Really, he was just kind of uh, 
not making alliances that would support him. I think he alienated the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He alienated, fired a lot of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, and, and Hoover as well, who was intrinsically involved with the uh, mafia, J. Edgar Hoover. Um, obviously, he was upset as well. So the FBI as well, that they, they were, they were, you know, you can add them to the list too. Right. Hoover was, like, as you pointed out, Hoover was in bed with the mafia, and uh, a big crackdown from Bobby Kennedy on the mafia did not go down well with him, obviously because it impacted on him and his and his lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Cross-dressing, right. homosexuality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was that guy? He had. You mention it. Yeah, his. Uh, I think his secretary was his lover, right? I forgot his name, but I don't know. Was, at that time, yeah, it was very scandalous. But he, uh, I mean. I think really you get into chapter five is really where you kind of talk about the ritual aspects, but also these global fronts with that all these people were associated really like Clay Shaw, who features in the Oliver Stone JFK movie and the Garrison investigation was part of these kind of uh, right wing fascist central mondiale commerciality, this Italian. So, you know, Jay, and also, you know, he had these weird CIA connections and, was also, was also uh, an interesting, interesting character. character. So, so it's just a lot. Yeah, of I mean, the, the, yeah, uh, that the Oliver Stone movie JFK was was quite good as far as it went. I mean, it, it actually opened the door, if you like, to to other investigations. But but the movie itself was a bit of a letdown in many ways because the, you know I, I think it was actually it ended up actually being part of the cover up. I think and it, and it wasn't uh, as Shall we say, um, as enlightening as as it could have been, uh, <laughs> um, and it focused on on all these, as you as you pointed out, all these different elements that were involved. I mean, they, uh, and again, but but you know, I think as we said before, they are they weren't the major players; they were just the foot soldiers in, right. in the operation. Um, I think I think actually the key player was a guy called George de Morinchild, who was descended from Russian aristocracy, and he was actually really weirdly, and nobody can understand why, or maybe they can. He was a friend of Oswald's, um, uh, which was really strange because Oswald was just an ordinary working guy, and yet this guy, this ex from a family of Russian aristocrats, he befriended Oswald for some reason, and he seemed to be his mentor. Um, and there was all sorts of connections to Russia, if you remember, with with Oswald. Yes. Um, and again, some people believe I'm 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 not absolutely hundred percent, but some people believe that there were actually two Oswalds. Yes, um, one of them created by the CIA just to cause confusion. So that you know, it sounds fantastic to say that the CIA actually created a lookalike uh, a double if you like and and actually let him grow up totally independently of each other these two oswald's characters um just on the off chance that they might need him for something uh, some covert operation in, in the in the future and this was one of the ones um because there was another set of doubles well because uh, again what, what I cover it very briefly in the book, but what happened was was that, that they were actually going to assassinate Kennedy in Chicago first off. Right. There was a, a Miami was, operation uh, too, right? Yeah, that's so right. The, the, but, but, but the, um, I, I can't remember why, but the plan backfired and so they had to call that off. 
I think I think word got out, didn't it? There was a possible assassination attempt. That was it. So yeah. the, the trip was cancelled or something. But apparently, and so I believe, so I've read, there was another set of doubles that they were going to use in that particular plot had it come to that. Um, so it must be a common occurrence, and they've got these two these, these two sets of uh, you know more than two sets of, of people probably all the time who are, who are doubles who doubles they can use in, in the obfuscation after the event. But the the reason one of the confirmations that there were doubles is that there Oswald was in two places at the same time, right? Like that's, he was seen right. in Mexico City and I think it was Louisiana at the same time. New Orleans, you're right. So he can't be at both yeah. places, but people are seeing him. And you know, how yeah. do you how do you resolve that? Yeah, and even on the day, I mean, he was seen in you know on the day of the assassination, he was seen in two different places at once because Oswald, Oswald was supposed to have murdered the um, the police officer Tippett, wasn't he? Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, but he was seen in another place in Dallas at the same time by a different people, and of course. You then get because of the because the whole thing is a is a complete lie and a complete you know uh, fabrication. Right. You get all these anomalies of people seeing different elements of it in different ways, and of course then that needs a bit of a cleanup operation. Right. So then you get <laughs> so then you you get what's called uh, some people may have heard of the Clinton body count. Well, this is the Kennedy body count because there are there were literally hundreds of people who right. were actually uh, died in very very suspicious circumstances in the years following the assassination all who were sort of vaguely you know peripherally involved in, in a, many different aspects of that day right um, like demore uh, chilled himself supposedly you know indeed supposedly yeah i mean he, he he died uh very suddenly the day he was supposed to appear at one of the hearings didn't he yeah, i mean yeah. That's actually very common in D.C. If you're supposed to attend a hearing, your likelihood of dying mysteriously 48 hours ahead is very high. So it's, <laughs> not, it's not just a morning chill. But if you read, uh, was it Family of Secrets? I can't remember the name of the author, but there are papers between DeMornchill talking to George Bush Sr. And DeMornchill's yeah. basically pleading for his life. And really? He's, yeah, he's clearly saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. That's no, just not verbatim. But he's it's doing yeah, it in a very, uh, you know, in, in something of an educated person of those. He was a white Russian. He was part of the group that yes. resisted the Soviets. And his family was basically destroyed and kicked out. But uh, also an oil man. But, yeah, he was. I mean, there are papers there that uh, do exist. Of talking between him and, and George Bush Sr., who was at an oil meeting supposedly at on the day of the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, just to go back to all these different factions that JFK upset for me, I mean, there was the, all the ones that we've already mentioned, Big Oil, LBJ, the, the Mafia, CIA, the FBI. But importantly, I think it's worth mentioning financial empire as well. Sure. Uh, in, was it 63? Three years just before he was killed, wasn't it? He he issued Executive Order one 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 zero, which was effectively bypassing the Federal Reserve and their ability to uh, create money from thin air and charge interest on it. He thought that that was a bad idea, which of course it is. But of course, the Federal Reserve and their power through the Crown Empire is 
all, all encompassing, really. And they were not going to sit back and let Kennedy issue his own currency. You know, that would have been the end of their gravy train. Um, you know, um, so again, we can add them to the list that, you know, big finance were a major, major player in all this. And, and the, the things all coming together now. And of course, uh, the Bushes as well. You mentioned very briefly George H.W. Bush there. And, uh, you know, it, they they had their hearts set on being a, uh, a presidential dynasty as well. Uh, so, you know, they got all sorts of uh, vaulting ambitions uh, along those lines. Right. So, uh, and, and Bush was, well, we all know what kind of a guy Bush was, I think. Um, so, you know, we can add, it, add him to the list and, uh, he, you know, the Bush family itself. Not just H.W., but his father, Prescott, as well. I think they were all, uh, you know, they were all involved, too. It's just remarkable, too. The Kennedy dynasty was basically destroyed over time, you know. So when JFK, Robert, then JFK Jr. was killed. Yeah, well, Edward as well. I mean, Edward was disgraced with Chappaquiddick, wasn't he? I mean, that was probably of his own making, I guess. But but he would, you know, he he would, I think he was... Was he standing for election? Yes. The following year. Yeah, he was trying to become president. He was trying to fall yeah, in the line. Yeah. Know? So of course, you know, I mean, so that's as you say, you know, the, the John and Bobby, and then the younger brother Edward. Edward, you know, after the Chappaquiddick incident, then Edward didn't, never stood a chance of becoming president because of the, um, the sting that it created, basically. Yeah, JFK was it Robert RFK said that he was going to get to bottom get to the bottom of his brother's assassination, and that he did. then he had to yeah. go. Yeah. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. It was probably getting too close to the truth. Yeah, it's just insane. So, I mean, there's. I think that what's really interesting about the book is you tie this kind of crown power through, you know, Permindex, these known talks, the New Orleans trademark that were covered in JFK's movie and the, the Garrison yeah. investigation. All these things, uh, this guy Stevenson, William Stevenson, who yeah. was in Jamaica that you think assembled it. groups. And yeah, and of course, Stevenson was MI6 as well, which right. is the British Foreign Intelligence Service. Um, so, again, you know, that, that's another sort of proof, if you like, that it wasn't just uh, an internal deal. It, you know, it was it was the British Crown and MI6 is an integral part of the British Crown. It's their security service, in effect. Right. So, yeah, Stevenson was a big player in it. Absolutely. And uh, what is it? Ian Fleming wrote the the guidelines for the founding of the CIA from the OSS. Like he, Fleming actually traveled to the U S to write the paper, to set up the CIA. Have you ever heard that? No, I didn't. Yeah, That's interesting. No. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And he's friends with Stevenson in Jamaica, the trial club. And you and I talked about the yeah. offline, you know, so there's all That's these right. clubs of very patriotic pseudo fascist or real fascist people. People. Yeah. All involved in this death, yeah. the death of JFK. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but just to sort of round up about round off about the book itself, yeah. I mean, as I say, the details of the actual assassination and all the aftermath—it's probably pretty standard stuff. I mean, I, I will be the first to admit that. Although, you know, it's my take on it, obviously. But it, I, I don't think there's possibly any. Vastly new information within that aspect of it, but as you say, the whole premise of the book is how it—it it wasn't just a, an internal operation; it was a probably a worldwide thing, you know, especially with the British influence. And I think that's what makes the book different and 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 stand out from the crowd, if you like. Gotcha. In my humble opinion, you know. 
That's great. Well, I definitely recommend the book. Is there anything that we're at 45 minutes? Is there anything you'd like to add or other than that? Uh, um, I, I can't really think of anything, William, to be honest. Um, All right. I think we've covered right. the, the basics of it. I mean, there's a, we could go into masses of detail, but I think, you know, that's probably. That's what the book there. is for. People, go get the book. JFK, yeah. a very British coup. John Hamer, another great book of his that I read is The Falsification of History, Our Distorted Reality. I haven't read John's books about the banking cartel. I don't know if I could I could actually go through without, you know, getting too depressed about the whole banking system. I don't know if I can read those. But uh, anyway, this is a great book. Yeah, I think you would enjoy it, though, William. It's not, I think I would. As, as, as I say to people, it's not just about the banking cartel itself, because people have said to me uh, in the past, oh, no, I'm not interested in money and banking. Oh, no, it bores me to death. No, I, can't, I, I couldn't read a six-inch thick book <laughs> about that. And I, but but the, the point about the book is, and it's probably not very well explained in the blurb on the book, you know, the cover, the cover uh, info, it, it's really about how the banking cartel, first of all, it's about, it goes into details about how it came about and the history of banking and money. But I don't, I only generalize. I don't spend too much time on that. And then I go into the banking families and all the families, uh, all the sort of bloodline families who run the world. And really what the book is about is how the banking industry has been their foundation stone, has been the, 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 the platform that they've used to control the rest of the world and what they've actually done to the rest of the world. So it's not just about banking. It's like, if you like, it's, a, it's like an expansion on the falsification of history. Falsification of history is more or less a series of chapters knitted together. You could read those chapters in any order, and it wouldn't make a particular difference. But BTC, Budget Behind the Curtain, covers the whole thing from start to finish and and its foundation stone is the banking system but that it's only that that gives people the money and the power to be able to do what they've done to the world for the last few centuries and that's kind so, of the way it is when these families yeah. make money the first thing they do is go start a bank so, yeah. so, so <laughs> yeah, they yeah. make all money start a bank a rockefeller right. start chase mellon bank all these people that's really because that's really that's augments really and uh expands their power it's really true. That's right. That's right. It's the money that gives them the power uh, in, at the end of the day. And that, that's really what, as I say, what, that's what the book's about. So. Gotcha. All right, cool. JFK, A Very British Coup, John Hamer, H-A-M-E-R. Check it out. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Thank you, William. Okay.